Hello and welcome to the 8th Labour Leave podcast. My name is David Price and with me in the studio we have John Mills. Hello John. Hello to you. And Brendan Shilton. Hello Brendan. Hello. Right, we're going to go back to basics now and talk about customs unions. I'm sure it's a subject that everyone has a huge interest in, uh, or maybe not, as the case may be. But actually, it's incredibly important for the future of our country and our growth looking forward. Um, John, can you explain in simple and basic terms what is a customs union? A customs union is an arrangement between countries uh, who come together to have what's called a common external tariff, uh, which they all have to abide by. And then inside the customs union, you have uh, the ability to trade freely. Um, now, the advantages of that are that uh, the, fr the free movement you have inside the customs union uh, is relatively cheap and easy to have going on. The disadvantage is that, um, especially if you have fairly high tariffs on a customs union, uh, this raises prices, in particular if the tariffs, as is the case in the EU, tend to be on things like food and apparel, which poor people buy more than rich people, is pretty regressive. It is interesting that the customs union that the European Union has is really the only example of this sort of arrangement in pretty well the whole world. The rest of the world has moved towards free trade deals, which are different because you don't have any external common tariffs then. You just trade between different countries without paying any tariffs or import duties. So a free trade deal is not the same as a customs union? No, no, they're, they're, they're very different. If we had a free trade deal with the European Union, we wouldn't have to have the tariffs that they have at the moment on food and uh, shoes and clothing and so forth. Uh, we could just bring all those tariffs down to as, as low as we wanted, zero if we liked. So if I buy um, food or cars or whatever from outside the EU customs union, then where do the tariffs that are paid um, go. Who who is who pays those tariffs and where do they go? Well, what happens is that the country which imports the goods or services, uh, normally goods for tariffs, uh, collects the money and we pay eighty percent of that over to the European Union and we keep twenty percent. Uh, so that's the uh, financial arrangement on this. But because we tend to import more than most other countries do, we pay a disproportionately high amount. And that's one of the reasons why we are big net contributors to the European Union. So every time I, as a consumer, buy food, basically some of that tariff money, most of that tariff money, is going to the EU, to Brussels. That's correct. And the original reason why the customs union was set up was a deal between France and Germany uh, not so very long after World War II, where... France, which had a big agricultural sector, wanted it protected, uh, which is what the customs union does. Uh, and Germany had uh, big industrial exports, which they wanted to market for. And so they created this market inside the customs union, which gave both Germany and France significant advantages. But really, we never had any advantages because we've got a small agricultural sector and our industry is not that strong. And that's really why we import a lot more than other people do. So we've been sort of subject to a pretty average double whammy on all this and not badly out of it. So actually, is it right to say that apart from our payments to the EU as a membership fee, that actually British consumers 
actually pay money to the EU via tariffs from outside the EU? Uh, yes, they do. I mean, you can double count if you're not careful on all this. And the way the figures are normally done is to, to aggregate the whole lot together. Uh, but the total cost of both the combination, really, of the common agricultural policy and the tariff regime is very high. I mean, our net payments to the European Union have been averaging across the whole piece around about 11, 12 billion pounds a year for some while. And that's a huge, huge sum of money. So if we were outside the EU customs union then if we kept those tariffs and charged them directly via WTO, for example, um, we would get that money back to the British Exchequer, or we could uh, reduce those tariffs, which would effectively mean prices would be lower. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I mean, what we've agreed to do at the moment is to keep things as they are, which means we're keeping on paying in 11 or 12 billion pounds a year to the European Union. But if we were to come out of the customs union and leave the European Union altogether, then the amount we, we probably would have to pay something towards the, you know, the the uh, the various arrangements we have in common to do with terrorism and and. Uh, and uh, the climate change and all these other things where clearly cooperation with our European Union makes sense, neighbours make sense, and, you know, we'd have to pay something towards the administrative costs, but we wouldn't have to pay anything like £12 billion a year. And if we reduced tariffs um, dramatically, then prices in the shops, because we're not paying those tariffs as consumers, prices would surely come down. Yes, they should come down quite significantly. I mean, the average tariff on food is something like 20%. Uh, and that's a big amount. And prices went up very substantially when we joined the common market in 1973. And they ought to come down if we get rid of the customs union and the tariffs associated with it. And we come out of the common agricultural policy. To be fair, we'd have to have some sort of support for agriculture in its place. So there wouldn't be 100% sure. gain again. But we wouldn't be paying the huge sums of money to French farmers and German farmers that we are at the moment. Because there was a big spike in prices uh, in the mid-70s, wasn't there? As, it was. As, because of our membership of the of the so-called common market back then. Yeah, there was indeed. And then conversely, we, if when we leave the customs union and we had a, we were able to to reduce tariffs dramatically, we should expect realistically prices to come down much closer to world averages. Well, that's right, and the the world is quite capable of exporting large amounts of food to us at substantially lower prices than uh, getting a lot of it from the European Union. And quite a lot of the food that the European Union does supply to us, things like oranges, for example, which we don't grow in this country, we're paying much more for oranges than we would do uh, if we imported them from outside the European Union because its Spanish and uh, French costs are much higher than, than world prices. And the tariffs are not insignificant. Um, we're talking 40% on lamb, I believe, I think. The Italians negotiated a 65% tariff on peaches, I, I seem to remember. So across the piece, across the range of, of the sort of consumer basket, um, when you go to do your weekly shop, that's quite a lot of... Uh, a lot of prices that could come down, isn't it? It is. I mean, food prices generally are about 20% higher uh, in the European Union than world prices are. So, I mean, there's a lot of gain to be achieved there. So surely for the Labour Party, um, where um, poorer people pay a disproportionately high amount of money uh, in terms of their basic foodstuffs and basic clothes, surely that would be uh, a, a very 
a great attraction to leave the customs union because we could bring prices down and the people most hit by those high prices uh, would, would no longer be hit by them. Well, I think that's certainly true. And there is another big factor to do with the customs union, which I think the Labour Party ought to pay more attention to than it does. And that is that the effect of these high tariff barriers is to impoverish poor countries outside the European Union who can't sell exports to us because the uh, high external tariff the European Union has stops them being competitive. And those are mostly developing countries in Africa, aren't they? They are. They are. And instead, we hand out large amounts of aid, but it's almost a kind of guilt money, isn't it, I think? Um, But we keep those tariff barriers high. And and that's just treating the symptom rather than affecting a cure, which is surely to reduce or remove tariffs on those uh, uh, imports of fruit and and so on coming from Africa. Yeah, I mean, one of the significant factors about the EU is that the costs to third world countries of EU trade policies is substantially higher than the value of all the aid that uh, the European Union provides to them. So there are net uh, beneficiaries from this tariff system, from a custom union uh, tariff system that the EU has. Of course, those are the producers of those goods in parts of Europe who, who, who are effectively being shielded from world prices. But the, the losers are both the countries producing those goods and the consumers inside the customs union. That's correct. It's um, If you look at it as well, just at basic principles, it's all about exclusivity. I mean, what you've got is an arrangement that protects and safeguards the, some of the wealthiest countries in the world uh, from really outside competition. Uh, everyone cites, whenever this subject is discussed, the case of coffee production. Uh, and if you look at the uh, costs that are imposed on raw coffee coming into the European Union uh, from outside, uh, it's very low. If you refine it and put it into drinking coffee, the tariffs are enormous. So what tends to happen is these producing countries give their raw product to Europe, the European Union Customs Union, where it is refined and then sold for much higher profit, which goes towards the wealthier countries. And I think the point that John made earlier on about the impoverishment of developing nations is a crucial one. Um, the Labour Party has always been an internationalist party, and it was the Labour government that created the Department for International Aid under Tony Blair. And it does seem to me to be a little bit condescending and a little bit crit- hypocritical to be preaching how wonderful it is that we're giving out all this money in international aid to various countries and various projects around the world. We're giving with one hand, but then taking back with the other. And uh, another issue to do with the customs union as well is the arrangements for trade. And of course, uh, if you're in a customs arrangement, your trade arrangements have got to be determined collectively. One of the areas that Jeremy Corbyn has said he would like to focus on if he manages to get into a government is the enforcement of human rights around the world. Uh, one of the... Uh, small clauses in most European Union trade deals is the enforcement of human rights uh, in those countries where you're trading with. They're very, very rarely enforced. And if uh, we continue to be a member of that customs union, uh, if we have a Labour government in the future, we won't be able to enforce them if we stay in a or the customs union, whatever word we're using to describe it uh, on the day. So basically, the EU customs union and our membership of it is disadvantaging people in developing countries in quite profound ways and making prices higher inside the EU Customs Union, which is in turn disadvantaging disproportionately the poorer people in the UK and in in the EU uh, as a whole. Absolutely. And um, if you look at this country... uh 
past eight years we've had austerity policies uh, where people have seen their incomes stay roughly as they are there haven't been any real wage increases some of the poorest people uh, in our country have undergone the universal credit changes which have seen incomes capped uh, you're seeing people having to move out of london because they can no longer afford to live there on their incomes wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if an incoming labor government could say under us your cost of your food will go down under us the cost of clothing and other basic household items that everybody needs will go down. Uh, another area that we could talk about at some point in the future perhaps is the VAT uh, and the fact that this was another idea originated in Brussels. Wouldn't it be a wonderful idea if on uh, we leave 11pm on the 29th of March, if at midnight a Labour government could say, well, at midnight we'll get rid of your VAT or lower it for you to a reasonable level. Why aren't Labour at the moment coming out with ideas like this and other policies that actually millions of not just working class people in this country but middle class people and very well off people would be very favorable towards it's it's a no-brainer because you could simply say that by reducing tariffs by being outside the customs union people will have a lot more money in their pocket and especially people on lower incomes and that in turn will put more money into the economy itself which will drive growth um, and, and get us out of this kind of sclerotic low growth situation that we've had for a long time. It would be a great boost to the economy. And Labour is always talking about boosting the economy. And yet it would seem that Labour's policy at the moment is to do precisely the reverse. Well, I mean, it's a well-known fact that the poorer people tend to spend more of a portion of their income than richer people. Richer people tend to save more. And so if you had this huge reduction in prices, that it, it, as you just say, absolutely common sense, there would be more money in people's pockets, they'd have more to spend, and that would, of course, be a huge injection uh, into the economy, which then subsequently generate tax returns, which we could invest in public services. It's a cyclical thing, uh, and it just there's a, a beneficial cycle there. And as I say, we say, I cannot understand why not just the Labour Party but indeed some in the Conservative Party as well uh, some of those One Nation Tories or claim to be One Nation Tories people like Anna Soubry favour staying in this arrangement that would keep her constituents poor yeah, It would certainly be a bit of a winner on the doorstep I would think uh, in terms of campaigning to, to, to promise the ability to reduce tariffs to bring the costs of food and clothing down because it's not just food it is clothing and that's a, another very part of a uh, large part of people's budgets isn't it absolutely yes and uh, i think as well particularly for you know as we say lower income families this would be a godsend and at a time when we are seeing some of the poorest people in our society now leaning towards the conservative party as their party of preference wouldn't this be a great coup uh, if the labor party could come up with an innovative policy like this say will come out of the cusp Union, your prices will come down. I think those opinion polls that showed a huge swing from the poorest in society favouring the Conservatives over Labour would very quickly reverse, and you'd see those voters coming back to Labour in their droves, uh, which would shore up some of our seats in the Midlands and in the North, and also help us win some of those seats back that we lost in 2017, and help us form the next government. Because it's quite counterintuitive. You would expect uh, the Labour Party to be presenting policies such as this 
and you would expect the Tories, who are best mates with the CBI and the, the business, big business establishment, to be arguing for more protectionism to keep the status quo as it is, and Labour to be trying to unravel that and trying to bring, you know, a great injection of money uh, via lowering prices, via lowering tariffs, via being outside the customs union. You would expect that would be the way around. But it, it seems we have the Labour Party campaigning for the status quo and advocating what the CBI wants, which is is absolutely, um, it's, it's uh, Alice in Wonderland, surely. Well, yeah, I mean, we always forget that, it, especially on the Labour side, that it's actually Margaret Thatcher's single market. Uh, she created the thing, she pushed the thing through, and we've now got Labour politicians uh, standing up and saying we ought to stay in it. And that, of course, is associated with the customs union as well. I think it is quite a peculiar position when you've got a, uh, a very left-wing Labour Party uh, led by uh, Jeremy Corbyn, dominated by quite a left-wing membership, and indeed the trade union movement as well, aligning with the CBI and these very uh, very powerful corporations that want to keep us in. We've seen uh, in the news over recent weeks threats by various companies that if we leave uh, Customs Union, the single market, they will up sticks and leave Britain. The reality is they won't. It will take them two years or so to do that. The cost of establishing new plants and all the rest of it is just utter nonsense. It's just a threat. So we have this bizarre situation where a socialist Labour Party is advocating um, a huge policy platform put in place by Margaret Thatcher in the late 80s via the single market, effectively, and trying to keep the status quo. It's, it's, it's very strange, isn't it, John? It, it is it's an odd reversal really of the way things have uh, have, have gone on um, you know why are these companies threatening to leave I mean I do think that the uncertainty around the way the brexit negotiations are, are sure. going hasn't helped but I mean the idea that once whatever the outcome is we're not going to be able to sell to Europe I think it's just complete nonsense nonsense mm -hmm. it's not companies that, it's not countries that sell to each other it's companies. And, you know, if we're in a, in a position in the UK to provide goods that people want to buy in Europe, that trade will continue. And uh, not being in a customs union doesn't really make trade any more difficult than it was before. The co paperwork is slightly more complicated, but only a very marginally so, not enough to make any real difference. And, um, I mean, the costs have been estimated at something like 1%, but, I mean, exchange rates varied by 15% or something over the last uh, year or two. So, really, these barriers are very largely I I imaginary. So, why, what is the, the reason, then, if you're, if you're someone who believes in the EU customs union, why, why, why is that a good thing? Who does that benefit? Well, I think the main people it does benefit are the incumbent companies who actually quite like the uh, customs union because and the single market because it involves all sorts of um, regulations and restrictions which it's much easier for big companies than small ones to manage uh, and this is one of the reasons why big companies always tended to be more inclined to favor the european union than 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 than, than, than small ones are it's corporatism surely yes it is and a bit of crony capitalism thrown in as well so that uh, I mean that that's why there is this disjunction there, um, but I mean I think that uh, you know businesses don't like change and uh, they're always frightened that things are going to be more difficult in the future than they were in the past. But I think actually the risks to any British company of not being able to trade in in with the EU are, are really minimal. I mean even if we were on World Trade Organization terms, 
there was no free trade deal, which I think is unlikely to be the outcome. The average trade, uh, the average tariff now under the WTO arrangement is only about 2.5% or something on industrial goods, and it just won't be enough of a barrier to stop trade taking place. Also, you have to remember that 92% of British for, uh, firms export nothing at all. Mm, that's correct. So it's it's not like the entire spectrum of the British economy is going to be dramatically affected. Um, it's only a very particular um, particular sector. So it, you then have to ask yourself why stay in the customs union with all of these tariffs, where such a small amount of our our econ- uh, UK firms are, are are affected. Well, all the single market because the single market uh, has regulations that applies to everybody right across the piece, whether you trade with the European Union or not. And, and quite a lot of these uh, regulations are very expensive and uh, difficult to 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 implement. Um, anybody who trades with Europe has to comply with European standards. That's true of ev- any market that anybody sells to. But you don't have to have the market you're selling to telling you what to do back in your home territory uh, for companies that don't trade with uh, the EU at all. Absolutely. If uh, if Toyota uh, makes uh, its its Prius, then it can sell a EU-specific Prius model with all Mm. of the relevant... uh, um, uh, you know, number plate uh, holders and steering wheel uh, sizes and, you know, uh, speedometer markings and so on. It can do an EU-specific version, but that doesn't then mean that the EU then tells Toyota under what conditions the price has to be made in Japan, does it? No, it doesn't, and, and nor does it necessarily imply that the way that the car is produced in detail has to comply with the EU, uh, the standards, yes. by the standards, you can the way do it's done. M- multiple models for different markets, yes, can't you? That's including right. one for the EU market. That's right. Yeah. It's also very important as well to, to look at the, the big picture as well. So if the UK is in the EU customs union or a variant of it, then we are stuck inside a a kind of fortress with a very high tariff wall in which 15% of the world's economy in terms of GDP is located. And there are a lot of predictions from the likes of the OECD and so on, the World Bank, that that will be less within 10 years. It would be down to maybe 11 or 12%. So effectively, we are staying inside a fortress which contains a, a fraction of the world's GDP Whilst all of the growth that's really happening in the world now is in is in Asia and China and the, the countries around that. So it's quite bizarre that we should lock ourselves into this arrangement um, where 85% of the world is not subject to that. Yeah, uh, if you go back uh, some years now, that it was viewed that the future of the world would be these large trading blocks operating in their in their own silos. Uh, but as you say, it is the only type of customs arrangement in the world where you have free movement of people uh, and everyone shares the same external tariff. Most of the growth, as you highlighted, 85% of world GDP is outside the EU. That's going to get larger as years go ahead, particularly uh, in Asia, but also in emerging economies such as South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, and countries in South America as well. So one must ask the question, why we want to remain 
remain shackled to this uh, when, as we say, the growth is going to be outside uh, the European Union's customs union. If you look at the United United Kingdom's history with its association uh, with many parts of the world, not just the Commonwealth, but our links around the world, with our huge security and intelligence service that is probably the best in the world, English language too, uh, we've nothing to fear being outside of the customs union. And of course, there's an enormous amount of trade between the United Kingdom and the European Union. So this notion that being outside would automatically be a disaster for us, well, it would also have ramifications for the European Union if tariffs were imposed at unreasonable levels. And so while there's a lot of chest beating uh, and a lot of you know toing and throwing going on at the moment, actually, it's not in the interest of either country uh, to reimpose high tariffs if we leave the customs union. Our largest single uh, national export international export destination in terms of nation state is the United States and we mm. sell via World Trade Organization tariffs to that um, so it's and that that trade is growing as well as a proportion of our trade uh, over over time so it's very counterintuitive again to to remain inside this this little protected fortress in just one particular part of uh, effectively Western and Central Europe. And there is another problem, which is that we have a huge balance of payments deficit with the European Union. I mean, we have, as a country, a big balance of payments deficit generally, but all of it is with the EU27 and none of it with all the rest of the world put together. We actually have a bit of a surplus with them. And one of the matters which doesn't really seem to have been uh, given much attention to in the Brexit negotiations is what's going to be done about this? Because the deficit we've got with the European Union is running now at somewhere around about 5 or 6% of GDP. And the world is just simply not going to continue to support us having a living standard, which is 5 or 6% higher than what we're actually earning. But the problem is that it's the European Union that's generating all this because they sell far, far more to us, particularly on goods, than we sell to them. And uh, how we're going to get that rebalanced is, is something that really ought to be part of the EU negotiations, but I think it's been almost totally ignored. In other words, it benefits the EU far much, far more uh, proportionally for us to stay inside the customs union than it does us uh, to stay inside, because effectively they get to sell us far more than we sell them if we retain the status quo. I think that's absolutely right, although the only thing I would say in... in uh, in, in that context is that one of the things about the European Union is that politics tend to trump economics. So the idea that you're going to get all these German car manufacturers and French wine producers and Italian shoe producers are ganging up and effectively pushing the European Union into a, 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 a deal which might actually be in their interest but would go against their politics, I think is unlikely, unfortunately. Absolutely. So what about uh, Labour's current stated position that we would be in a, in inverted commas, a customs union rather than the customs union. Brendan, what, what, how does that square? Is that, is surely that's just another way of saying we'll retain the status quo, things will stay the same. Well, uh, last year, the uh, Labour's Shadow Secretary of State for International Trade, Barry Gardner, 
uh, remarked that staying in a customs union uh, with the European Union would reduce Britain to that of a, a surf state uh, because we would have no control over trade policy, we'd have no control over the conditions of those policies and what would have to be enforced as a result. And so it is quite a peculiar position uh, that we've now uh, got to where Labour is advocating staying in a customs union as opposed to the customs union. Uh, I suppose from that we can infer that the, the idea is there would be a new customs arrangement negotiated because they are implicitly saying we will not stay in the existing one. However, um, there is seems to me to be quite obscure really to stay in a customs union but not stay in a single market because the two really do go hand in hand um, our manifesto last year as I've said previously was that for example free movement would end you can't really do that if you stay in the single market um, and so why you'd say in a customs union but not in the market is quite extraordinary um, there are people within the parliamentary Labour Party pushing for us to stay in the customs union as opposed to a customs Union. I do apologise to our listeners, but A and there are very important words uh, when discussing Labour's policy. Um, it's, it is very odd, and I think the party really needs to develop thoughts on why this is now policy, uh, because certainly those people that voted Leave uh, were told by a government leaflet paid for by all of us that if we left we would be leaving uh, the European Union. The Prime Minister and indeed Labour spokesperson said if we meant if we were leaving we would leave the customs union and the single market. Indeed uh, I remember sharing platforms with uh, Labour MPs some of them who are now heading up this uh, effort and they told us that if we left the EU but remained in the customs union and the single market that would be the worst of all worlds. They're now proposing that this is some sort of uh, promised land that's going to save us from the disaster that is Brexit um, and so our position has been very consistent and clear and in fact they're now making it up as they go along um, and I think ultimately the country will reject it. Do you think that it's just simply semantics uh, John the idea that a customs union the customs unit effectively it's the same difference isn't it? Well I think it's all a bit of a fudge to be honest with you I think that uh, there's resistance to staying in the customs union as it is at the moment and there's a rather fanciful view that what you can do is to get all the benefits of staying in, such as they are, but then tweak it round the edges, particularly issues to do with the single market, round movement of labour and this sort of thing, and get the best of both worlds. But I think the European Union has made it absolutely clear right from the very beginning that this sort of cherry-picking isn't going to be accepted. And uh, therefore, I think that talking about a customs union as being something different and better from the customs union is probably going to turn out to be, you know, just uh, an unrealistic exercise, which is never going to happen. Absolutely. And were it to happen, it would still effectively surely amount to us continuing to pay very high tariffs on food and clothes and so on, because that's what the EU wants. And were we ever to get this separate, discrete a, custom, a customs union rather than the customs union, we would still need to, to stick very close in terms of all the regulations and compliance issues, mm. wouldn't we? I, I think that's true, but I, I think it's just unrealistic to think you're going to have anything very different from the customs union anyway. I just don't think yeah. that's going to happen. 
Great. I, I think as well, which, what we ought to just remember is what this effort to keep us in some sort of customs union actually is. It's an attempt by those people who just cannot accept that the referendum has happened uh, and that we voted to leave. It's their attempt to keep us in the European Union and I think people can see right through it. As Caroline Flint said uh, a few weeks ago on telly, I think she was discussing this with Chris Leslie, uh, the Labour MP, uh, she made it perfectly clear that this is nothing more than an attempt by those who have refused to accept democracy uh, that we we are actually leaving brendan john thank you so much goodbye 